0: This morning's um, reading is from the New Living um, tes- Testament um, Translation, I mean, sorry, <laughs> um, from John 14, 12 to 18, and John 16, 5 to 7, and 12 to 15. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. ...so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments... ...and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate... ...who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him... ...and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you, but in fact it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> I almost missed that.
1: Oh, Good morning. Hello, hello. Yes, we are on. Good morning. Yes, I loved how you respond to that. <laughs> I must admit, coming in today, I was feeling a little intimidated because of Luke's Rubik's Cube while preaching last week. I was like, how do you outdo that? Uh, I was like, I need to up my props game, but I can't. So, yeah, Luke, you've ruined it for every other preacher. (laughs) That was next level. Uh, But, yeah, I'm excited to be here with you today to continue this series on living as Scattered Servants as sent ones into the world, carrying the message and the demonstration of the kingdom to a lost and hurting world. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared about God's heart, his desire and destiny for us to live in unbroken fellowship with us. Last week, Luke talked about abiding in Jesus. And so today, I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and even in saying that i kind of get a little nervous often in churches talking about the holy uh, sorry talking about the father or talking about jesus is a little more acceptable and a little more comfortable but talking about the holy spirit can sometimes cause some emotions within us Uh, Depending on your denominational background, how you were brought up, um, maybe some experiences that you've seen or heard, uh, it can cause a little bit of anxiety. And my heart today is ultimately to look at what Jesus says in his word about the Holy Spirit. See what he's inviting us into as living as scattered servants. And uh, I just hope that we'll have open hearts to hear what he is saying today. So let's just take a moment to pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, as we have sung, we just pray for your peace to fill us. May we come to know you in fresh ways today. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to each individual heart today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are here, moving and working amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as I've uh, chatted to a lot of you individually, uh, you've kind of shared with me how you'd love to hear more about my journey and time living in Bangkok, Thailand, and uh There are so many stories that I could share um, and that would take forever, Um, but I am going to share just one story with you today that is relevant to what um, we're going to be talking about and I want to introduce you to a lady that I met, her name is Miriam, we've got a photo of her here, if you weren't sure, she's the one in the middle. Uh, she is a Muslim lady uh, that I met, married to a Muslim man. She lives on the Bangkok River, and we can go to the next photo. It's not very clear, uh, but this is the river that she lives along, and it's not a river like our river. I went for a run around the river this morning, and it was absolutely beautiful, blue, big. Uh, the Bangkok River, not so much. It's a bit dirtier, maybe more like the Brisbane River. Uh, but, but even dirtier than that. I was born in Brisbane, so I can say that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can see down the bottom of the photo, hopefully there's a bit of rubbish, uh, that floats through that, that river. And the houses by, along, along the river there are not like our houses along the river. We've got big mansions, only the expensive people get to live in. Whereas them, a lot of the time, the poor live along the river. And they live in these these tin shacks, and that was very similar to to Miriam's house. Uh, there, there was we can go back to the photo of Miriam. Her house was very simple, uh, but she her and her husband had lived in this house from when they were married. All right, you can see she's quite an elderly lady, and she had been married to this Muslim man for a very long time. And as we sat and had lunch with her, what I found out was that her husband would not let her leave her home. So the whole time they were married, living in this house, she wasn't allowed to leave the home. Servants would go off and get the food and bring it home for her to cook. She would stay and, and teach the children and the servants uh, She knew two languages, Thai and Aramaic, so she would be teaching Aramaic and the Quran uh, to these people. Never allowed to leave the home. Can you imagine that? And this photo was taken in, in 2015 when I met her. And what I found out is her husband had died many years ago, around 10 years ago when this photo was taken. She still had never left the home. So here she was, free to go and do whatever she wanted now, yet still chose to live in the safety, in the comfort of the known place of this house. This had me thinking about the story of the Israelites. They had a promise of a land flowing with milk and honey, affectionately known as the Promised Land. Yet they find themselves for 430 years in slavery to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They have a Promised Land, but they're finding themselves in slavery. Until God's servant, Moses, through him, God works miraculous, mighty miracles and wonders and signs and by his mighty arm releases the Israelites out of slavery and they begin their journey towards the promised land. Now we know from scripture that that journey is supposed to take 11 days. But here they are, and it takes forty years. How does that journey? How does a journey of eleven days take forty years? Now we know there was fear. We know there was uh, disobedience. But here's what I find crazy in the story: God miraculously. Clearly, him at work got them out of that slavery. They're now in this, in this journey, in this wilderness, and he miraculously reveals himself to them in a cloud and a fire. He miraculously provides for them by having sandals that don't uh, wear out, water from a rock, manna from heaven, quail from, fallen from the sky. Like, incredible provision. Miraculous. And yet, there's a moment where they still cry out, Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. And I'm like, God, why? See, God during this time was trying to reveal to them his his character, his nature, his ways, yet they were so consumed with the form of the provision, the way it came, that it didn't come in the timing that they wanted. It was uncomfortable, uncomfortable in this wilderness that they thought It's better for them to go back to what is known, even though it's slavery. If we fast forward to the time of Jesus, the Jews longing for a Messiah, Jesus comes. He doesn't come in the form they want him to. Or the way he he hangs out with people that they don't expect, he offends them with the things that he says. And so what do the Pharisees do? They choose to remain in slavery to the law instead of getting to enjoy the freedom of grace. Now if we go to the part of the story that we're looking at between John 13 and 17, Here's his disciples. He spent time, they've spent time with Jesus for three years. Over this time, Jesus has been revealing the character and the nature and the ways of God. And here he is saying to them, I'm now about to leave you. And they're like, no, 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 you can't leave. And what's their big question? When are you going to rescue us from the oppression of the Romans? They still weren't getting it. And Jesus is like, I'm not coming, I'm not here to rescue you. I'm, I'm going to now release you as my hands and feet into the world to preach the gospel and to continue in the works that I have been doing. And if we look at the story, when I read Acts, when we read about the early church in Paul's writings, we see them living a life that looked like Jesus. Right? They're preaching with the same boldness as Jesus. They're healing like Jesus. Dead are being raised. Their lives look like Jesus. But if I'm being really honest right now, when I read those things, I'm a little frustrated. Because my Christian walk doesn't look much like that. And the churches that I've been a part of don't look much like that. There's a disconnect. Right? Jesus came proclaiming a kingdom. He says in in our readings there, he says, Anyone who believes in me," me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, greater works than Jesus. If we go to Mark, listen to this, Mark 16, verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. My walk with Jesus hasn't looked much like that, if I'm being really honest. But I want that too. Let me ask us a challenging question. If the church was taken out of Canningvale, we all left, would the city even notice? If you left your secular job with all the... With, with workmates and stuff that don't know Jesus, would that workplace feel or look any different? The kingdom is at hand. And I'm like, God, why? <laughs> what, what, what is this disconnect happening here? And part of it, I think, is that this... This kingdom and all that it has to offer, this, this healing, uh, healing, raising the dead, uh, all of this is a little mysterious. It can, can look a bit weird. It can cause embarrassment for us if we pray for people and they don't get healed. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. So what I think we have almost done is said, We're going to reduce our Christian walk to a Sunday service in a building. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. You see, with the Israelites, they had a mindset of slavery that was formed in that 430 years. And they could not take that mindset into the promised land. It had to be transformed. They had to know who God was, who he said they were. They needed to know the power and the authority that they had to be able to step into that promised land. So just like the Israelites needed a new mindset to grab hold of all that God had promised them, the church today needs a transforming power that will help us to take hold of everything that Jesus died to give us and walk in and release. And Jesus tells us the key to that is the Holy Spirit. I want to look at what Jesus says about this Holy Spirit to us in this word. So here in John 14, verse 15, sorry, 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Okay, first thing. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give. The source of the Holy Spirit is the Father. Just like Jesus came from the Father. They were one. All right? We must remember this. Okay? Then it says, And he will give you another advocate. Now, that word, another, in the Greek, alos, it means another of the same kind. So, just like Jesus and the Father, the Holy Spirit is another of the same kind. In other words, he carries the same character and nature. Of Father and Jesus. This is important to remember, especially if you're trying to discern things. The way I discern about the spiritual realm is does it have the same, is it coming in the same character and nature as Jesus and the Father and what I read in the Word? And secondly, I look at the fruit of it. Does it have the fruit of the Spirit? That's what helps me to discern. But the Holy Spirit is another of the same kind. Another of the same kind of what? Advocate. Now that word advocate is the Greek word parakletos, and it means uh, like a a defense attorney, someone who defends us. And we know Jesus defends us. But in the Aramaic, which is the word uh, the, sorry, the language that they spoke in Jesus day, it's the word "paracleta." Probably didn't say that, right. <laughs> but it's made up of two words. When I learned this, it blew me away. Para, cleta. Para: to end or to finish. cleta, the curse. Jesus, our redeemer of the curse that happened in the garden. The Holy Spirit, another of the same kind, redeemer to finish the curse. What Jesus did in the supernatural to redeem us and set us free, the Holy Spirit continues to do within us, to redeem us of the curse in this world. I hope that excites you. That that's insane to me. Comes from the Father. He's one in likeness with Father and Jesus. And he is working a transformational work inside of us to fully redeem us so that we can become like Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Now I'm going to jump to John 16, verse 13. What's crazy is in these few little chapters, Jesus uh, repeats himself four different times and he pretty much says the same thing. So it's like, this is important. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Truth. Now, this word truth, if we think about it in our Western 2023 mind, truth is very much a knowledge-based thing. It's facts. It's things we know. But in the original language, this word is better described as reality. So this is how... I best understand it. So take this chair. All right. Now this chair was made uh, to have people sit on it. This chair was made um, by a good manufacturer and it is strong, it's sturdy, and it should take, be able to take some, some weight. All right. So the truth is that this chair will hold someone who sits on it. Now, we know that it takes faith to then actually sit in that chair. Is it actually going to hold me? Yes, it is. It's not until I'm sitting in this chair that this truth is now my reality. Right? So I can stand up here and say, this is true, this is true, this is going to hold me up. But when something becomes a truthful reality, we are now embracing and living it. And this is what this this is saying. Jesus is going to lead us into all truth. It's not just knowledge. He's going to lead us into a reality of the truth that we're being told. Some examples of this might look like. The truth is I believe Jesus can heal. But that doesn't become a reality until I'm healed, right? Now that truth is a reality. I've lived it. I've experienced it. Same with provision. I can say God is my provider. But until he miraculously provides for me, I'm then now living in God's miraculous provision. Does that make sense? Yeah? This is important. Can we go a bit deeper here? Let's go to the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Verse 19, therefore, oh, let me read. I'm going to read in the New uh, New Living Translation first. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, most of us know this pretty well. I, until a couple of years ago, I understood this verse to mean so go make disciples, all right? baptizing them in the name of the Father and Holy Spirit. I understood this to mean water baptism. And I'm not saying that it doesn't include water baptism, because that is important. Okay? But that's, there's much more to it than that. So he says, baptizing them in the name of the of the Father Son Holy Spirit now that doesn 't mean immerse them in, in in water and then make sure you say in the name of the Father Son Holy Spirit in the name of something means in the likeness in the nature in the character of that name I want you to look at how another translation puts this verse and it 's got some Hebrew words in it and I'll uh, translate those, says verse 19, therefore go and make people from all the nations into that word, there's disciples, immersing them into the reality of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, immersing them into the nature, the character, all that makes up who God is why is this so important from what I've seen is that we have somewhat reduced evangelism and discipleship to proclaiming the gospel and teaching them the word of God and that's only half the story the other half is this immersion piece And it's what Jesus demonstrated when he brought people into his life and with his disciples for those three years, he immersed them into the reality of walking with him and into the character, the nature and the ways of who and everything he was and his kingdoms about With just preaching the gospel and just teaching, we can somewhat at some point just be like, "Ah, I've preached the word, I'm done. Whereas the discipleship that Jesus demonstrated to us was one of walking with and releasing all that it is of who he is to the people that we're walking with. And the key to that is us choosing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It is a little uncomfortable at times. There's mystery to it. There's risk. Sometimes we'll get things wrong. But there's only a kind of one other option to stay in our Sunday service, comfort, safety, and miss out on all that Jesus died for us to experience of Him and to release. Last night I spoke to a young guy who was about 16, 16 years old and he said, to, he said to me, do you know what about my generation is that we want authenticity, we want the word to match our experience. The word of preaching isn't enough anymore to this next generation. They're hungry for more and I love their hunger. We need both, the word and the spirit. And here's what I felt was the invitation from the Lord to us today. It was to say, whatever, I I realise we're at all different uh, stages of our journey of walking with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit, but wherever you're at, would you be willing to take a step out even deeper into a bit more of the unknown? To live like the Israelites in the desert, they had to, kind of like each morning, walk out their tent, look at the cloud, are we going today or are we staying? That level of dependence, where's our next meal coming from? so here's my question for you and it's going to require a little boldness I'm feeling a little bold today because I don't want here anymore I want us to be a church that takes hold of everything Jesus died for us to have and if we can't be bold in here we're not going to be bold out there So if you are hungry for the more, and you're saying, Holy Spirit, you're opening your heart to the Holy Spirit and saying, I want to yield deeper to who you are. I want to find out more of who you are. Then I'm going to wonder and ask right now whether you would stand, and I'd love to pray for you. And I don't care if it's one or two, because God only needs Joshua and Caleb to be able to take hold of the promised land. Thank you, go. There you go. So Holy Spirit. I welcome you here. I welcome your presence. You see every single heart. You know exactly where every single person is at. And Lord, I just release fresh faith on these people. Lord, I ask that you would release boldness upon them. Lord, I ask that they would uh, come to know you in fresh and new ways. Lord, you always, throughout your word, you always respond to the hungry. So Lord, I trust that you will do a work in them. In the end, it's all you. Holy Spirit, take us deeper. Even with fear and trembling, not always knowing, being uncomfortable, making mistakes. Holy Spirit, we trust your leadership on our lives. We thank you, Father, for sending your Spirit to come and dwell amongst us. Help us to steward you well. The greatest gift we've ever received. Just ignite a fresh fire in us, Lord, for you. Seal our yes, Lord, with your spirit. In Jesus' name.